So I had this crazy idea, and I threw it out to my friends, and and they actually thought it was a great idea. We said, man, we got to do this idea. Have you ever had one of those ideas? You ever had a crazy idea? You're like, man, let's, let's do it. Well, our idea was to go to the World Series. We had to go to the World Series, and the problem was we didn't have tickets. And uh, the next day was the game. It was 1999. I was uh, recently uh, married, and uh, I just everything was awesome, man. I was like, whoo, the Braves were in the World Series. They were playing the Yankees, and uh, it was definitely uh, definitely a matchup I wanted to be a part of. I mean, how many people go to the World Series, right? Like, that's on the bucket list. You want to do that. So uh, we talked, and two other guys, absolutely, let's go to the World Series. And so sure enough, man, we made our way there, went to the World Series. We got there. We're in Atlanta, and we went up to the uh, counter to purchase tickets. There weren't any tickets. On the way to the counter there, we were walking up. People were selling tickets, right? And scalping tickets, and you had to be so many feet away from the the counter, and man, it was, I, I, I mean, I remember asking, I think the cheapest one, I think I remember hearing was like 1000 or 1200 it was crazy, but we wanted to go to the World Series, and we just had this late decision, you know what, let's do it, so sure enough, man, we went, and uh, walk up to the counter, a sweet lady behind on the other side, and, and uh, I asked her, I said, uh, we, we need three tickets, please, she looked at me like I was stupid. I look back like, I know I am, but, uh, you know, we're crazy Braves fans, and, and is there any way, and she said, honey child, honey child, she said, baby, these tickets, they've been gone for weeks, we sold out, and, and I said, oh, would you please just do us a favor and check, she said, honey child, I think you heard me, honey child, baby, we, we, them, these tickets have been gone for weeks, I, I'm telling you, and, and uh, I said, ma'am, I said, we, uh, I said, we, we just prayed, and we just believed God that there might be three tickets left. Would you just check, just, just humor me and, like, look at the screen and go, and then do this thing? And she shook her head, and she, and she said, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I'll never forget it, man, just right there in that tone. There were three tickets on the first base side together, three seats. Like, what's the chance of that, right? And it was at the Lexus level. And we had all set the price that we were willing to spend was 120, 120 big ones. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man. She said, I can't believe this. She said, I've never seen anything like this. She said, there are three seats together. Lexus level, you will be the first row. We prop our feet up. You know, that, the next level up right there, we were right there, first baseline. She said, and and the system says $120. So we, we gave each other a high five, did a happy dance. Y'all know what a happy dance is. We're like, <laughs> we're like this. We were high five, we were screaming. And uh, we looked like three dudes that had just made it in by the hair of our chinny chin chin. And we gave her 120 each, and we went into the World Series. Amazing. One of my favorite moments from that World Series. It was a game of all games. I mean, it came down to the ninth inning, the ninth inning it came down the score was zero to zero Paul O'Neill got up to the bat this was not one of my favorite um, parts about it but he ends up hitting a single home run and the Yankees won not only the series but they won that game game three one to nothing but 
but when I think about the World Series and I think about two of my favorite moments from that, I remember, I remember the planes flying over. That just, whoo, you know, it was just, oh, man, it was awesome. But I think my favorite part of the whole World Series was when John Rocker ran onto the field. This guy, um, this guy had an act for just making the crowd come alive. There was something about when he was coming in as a relief pitcher that you just wanted to be at that game because they would announce and you know coming in as John Rocker, you know, and here he came and he would sprint. He would sprint from the outfield to the mound. And when he would get, when they, oh, everyone came to their feet. And I mean, people started screaming and applauding. Oh, it was crazy. And you watch this this beast of a guy run all the way to the pitcher's mound. And he ran because, you know, not other pitchers did that, right? It's the only guy I've ever seen, the only pitcher I've ever seen to do that. Like, who would do that? Who would want to get to the mound out of breath? <laughs> just, just give me a minute. Just give me a bit. I've got this. Just give me a bit. Who, who would want to show up to work like that? John Rocker did. John Rocker wanted to reach his workplace with his heart beating fast and furious. And not only his, but he had the uh, audacity um, to enable us to do the same. There was something about when John Rocker showed up to work that, that the truth is about him is he... They said that he was normally the first person there and the last to leave. I got to meet John Rocker, not after the World Series game, but I think two years later, I met him after one of the games, and they, they said that he would always be the last guy. He would, he'd wait till everyone, everybody was gone. I remember waiting three hours after the game, standing in the back where, where their vehicles are parked, and I remember watching John Rocker walk to his yellow um, Corvette. I remember when he pulled up, stopped, and I got to talk to him, and he got out and, and uh, gave us autographs, me and another guy. And uh, I remember looking at his thighs and thinking, if you took my whole body and went, that probably is one of his thighs, man. He was huge, dude, man, big old man. I mean, big guns. John Rocker. John Rocker inspired not only baseball fans, especially Atlanta Braves fans, but, but I think I think the way he showed up to work hopefully today could inspire you and me. Because today we're landing the plane. We're finishing this series called Dashboard. And if you're just here for the first time and you're joining us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And and the truth is this series has just been about putting what's most important in front of us. And saying that life is hard and and we could really simplify it. If, If we put intentionally, if we put some gauges in front of us that we can check on and know how life is going. We talked about relational gauge. We talked about the emotional gauge. We talked about physical, the spiritual, um, on and on. And and today, I want to land the plane with the professional, this gauge. Because the truth is, we we all got to work, right? I mean, last week was the financial, and we talked about number one is, you got to have money, (laughs) you know? So so work, right? You got to have money. Just the Bible says, just don't love money. I'm thankful for the things money can do, but the Bible was real clear when it said, you know, the love of money is the root. Little recap, but is the root, the love of money. Money's not wrong. It's not wrong to have money. You need money. You ought to have money. You ought to work for money. God's not against you or me having money or being blessed, having his blessings on our life. He's not against it. Today, I want to just bring to the forefront this last gauge that is incredibly 
important for me. It's incredibly important for you because we all go to work. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you go to work, don't you? You go to more work, right? I mean, the laundry's never done. The kids are never, uh, never fully um, taken care of, you know? And the, the messes, you, you clean up this mess, and you turn around, and, and uh, here we go again. For some of you ladies, you uh, work not only at the house, but you, you have another job outside, and, and you're like, oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, I want to just, today, if we can, I, I want to focus on this last gauge, financial. God has a lot of stuff to say about it. Many authors in the Bible have a lot of things to say that can help us today, that can add value to our lives today, no matter what you do for a living. So if you're here and, and uh, you're a school teacher or you're a surgeon, if you're a principal or if you're a manager, if you're a leader, a CEO of a company, or if you're a leader of a home, if you're the, the caretaker of someone, or if, if you're the mother you're the CEO of the house, right? And you're taking care of business. No matter what you do, no matter how important it is or maybe how important um, sometimes we don't realize it is, today, this gauge, I think, is gonna bring some clarity and help us to go further faster and help us, um, as that book, Fight, is all about, to win the battles that matter the most. Win those battles. Don't you wanna win those battles? I want to uh, I want to start off in Genesis. This verse won't come up on the screen. But I mentioned this last week. And last week I said that work existed before the curse. And Genesis, I want you to hear this verse real quick. The book of Genesis chapter 15. The author here is Moses, by the way. Moses, you remember Moses. Moses writes the first five books. He pins the words to the first five books of the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter two, this is recording the story. By the way, this wasn't the oldest book in the Bible. Genesis isn't, even though it was the, the first book in here. Actually, Job is the oldest book of the Bible. Some really cool stuff in there. But here Moses pens these words in verse, chapter two, verse 15. The Bible says this, this, that God took the man and he set him down in the garden of Eden. Now, garden of Eden was perfect, right? It was perfect. It was awesome. It was amazing. Man, it was sweet. Garden of Eden. And God set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground. Would you say work the ground? Work the ground and to keep it in order. That's 2 verse 15. 18 through 20. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper. And all the women said, you got that right or something, right? I'll make him a helper and a companion. So God formed the dirt of the ground, all the animals of the field, and all the birds of the air. I love this. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. I love it that God's not sitting beside Adam and saying, now, Adam, that's a bird. Adam, that's a snake. You want to watch out for this. Adam, he, he didn't do that. He let man. Why? Because we're made in God's image and God is the creator, so he let man create. Isn't that awesome? I don't know I really ever realized that before, but he, he said, Adam, you're going to call them whatever name you want to call them. You, you tell me what that is. That's pretty cool. And so here, whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. The man named the cattle. He named the birds of the air. He named the wild animals, but he didn't find a suitable companion. In chapter 3, we go to verse 6. 
And the Bible says, by the way, there are all these trees. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's the tree of life. There's all these trees, amazing fruit. It was all awesome to eat. God said, knock yourself out, champ, but don't touch that one. And that one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't touch it. Can't touch it. And the day you touch it, you will, you're going to die. Don't touch it. We good? Cool. Don't touch it. All right. Anything else, man? Knock it out. Like one rule. One rule. One rule. Verse 6 of chapter 3. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, or should we say what she thought she would get out of it, she thought she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband, and he ate now let's go to verse 16. So 2.15 tells us that work existed. Genesis 3.6, that's when sin came in. And now chapter 3, verse 17, we're going to see the curse, right? The curse, verse 16, we'll read this. He told the woman, I'll multiply your pains in childbirth. Any women here give, uh, say, yeah, we've been there before. Not fun, right? You'll give birth to your babies in pain. You'll want to please your husband, but he'll lord it over you. Then he tells the man, verse 17, he told the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, don't eat of this tree, remember that? The very ground is cursed because of you. Because you got the food from the the ground. And and the Bible says it would be painful as having babies. Your wife is going to experience pain having babies. So I, I want to set the stage real quick. And before we read a couple of verses that I think are really going to help us, I want us to understand from the very beginning, work is not the curse. But the truth is, is that 75%, 75% of people are disengaged in the workplace. So, I mean, we're talking about an epidemic of indifference. Do y'all know that that's the truth? Do you know that 47.6% of people that go to their work are actually pleased with the work that they're doing? Do you hear what I'm saying? Less than 48% of people who every day go to work and do their job actually look back, when they look back on what they did, are proud of what they've done. How many know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes people just go to work to survive because they got to pay the bills instead of, instead of going to work to thrive. God doesn't want you to see work as a curse. I've heard people before when they talk about, yeah, my job. Well, how do you like your job? It sucks. You know, well, well where did you work before I worked there? How did you like that? It sucked. You know, and it's just as like, well, maybe, you know, maybe there's an attitude adjustment we need here. Uh, maybe the problem's not the job. You know, sometimes there can be a mentality that work, man, work's a curse. I want to tell you something. Work isn't a curse. Y'all don't believe me, do you? It's real quiet. Work isn't the curse. I want you to see what a scripture says concerning this. I, I want to pull up on the screen. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. Now, Proverbs, the author of Proverbs um, a couple of people, but Solomon wrote most of these Proverbs. We're talking about wisdom, the, the, the wisest man to ever live. This guy had amazing wisdom. Look what Proverbs 12, 24 says. The diligent, the diligent find freedom in their work. The lazy are oppressed by work. 
The diligent find freedom in their work. How many of you here, let's, let's see a show of hands real quick. How many in here, um, you know someone that when they go to work, man, there is freedom in their work. They get there and it is like joy, man. They get there and they are so into what they're doing. They bring life to work instead of allowing the work to suck the life out of them. How many know awesome people like that? All right, very cool. Put it down. How many of you are that person? It's awesome. I love that. I love that. How many wish you were that person? Good news. We got news for you today that can help. All right. The diligent find freedom in their work, but the lazy are oppressed by work. It's, oh, man, I got to get out of bed. It's only 11.15 a.m. 47.6. The truth is, I, I, I want to ask you a question. Um, if, if you're part of that 47 0.6% that you're not satisfied with the work that you're doing. What if, what if you could leave the office every day 100% satisfied, 95% satisfied? Do you know what? I gave it my all. I gave it, I left it all out. I ran to the mound this morning. I not only pitched an incredible game, I ran to the mound. In other words, I, I didn't start working when half the day was over. I got there, hit the ground running. I love this, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Observe people who are good at their work. Like we can learn, right? Like isn't it a joy when you see someone who's really, I mean, they, they are just, they're awesome at what they do. The Bible says, observe people who are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a back seat to anyone. So we can learn from people that have this attitude, that have this presence, that have this mentality that, man, I'm not going to go to work because I have to. I'm going to go to work because I get to. Someone once told me, said, um, said, you know, I do 15% of the things, or excuse me, 85% of the things I do in my life, I do so I can get to do the 15% of things I want to do. How many relate to that? You feel like just work, right? I mean, like all the time, man, is work, 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 work. And, and how many right now, honestly, how many of you feel exhausted? Like you've been working hard. You just feel tired. I mean, truth is, you know, going to church and sleeping this morning, it was a pretty close one. I mean, you're exhausted. Anyone out there like that? Any honest people? Any liars? And, and no, I was just kidding. I was just teasing. I love, I love one of my mentors. He said this. He taught me a lesson. And uh, he said, Tim, by the way, anyone want a Krispy Kreme donut? Yeah, anyone? Ray, why don't you pass these out? And if there's one left, why don't you have one? <laughs> hey, you can grab one. I'm just messing with you. I'm picking on you. Um, I tell you what, you can have this one, okay? My hands are clean. You can have this one. I'll save this one for you. Um, no, here, here, here's the truth. My mentor would say this. He'd say, Tim, focus on the donut, right? He say, Tim, some people in life, they don't focus on the donut. They focus on the hole. He's like, you know what, man? He said, we're people that we focus on the donut. I hope this sticks in your mind. I hope this is tattooed immediately inside of you that you never forget it. Run to work. Someone say run to work. Someone say it like you're excited. Come on. Someone say it real loud. Run to work, man. Right? We want to run from work. We want to run home from work. We want to get home because then, ah, then we don't have to work. 
right? Run to work. Run to work, man. When you get to work, give the best of yourself. God made you. God designed you. God made me and designed me to work. Work is a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a blessing to be able to work. Focus on the donut, not the whole. Like, man, there should be donut right there, right? I was missing a little bit. That's how some people see it. My job, you know, I tell you what, they work at an amazing place. They have amazing benefits. They're even, even getting paid to do it. And, and, and the truth is they don't always bring the A game and they're still getting paid. And, and they even get bonuses sometimes, you know. And, and sometimes people will still point out that there's a hole. You know, if they, if they, if corporate would just listen and, <laughs> I'm just going to say it, forgive me, get their butts out of their head. Um, I, I just had that thought because I've heard people say it so many times. If they would just, if they would just do this, if they, man, I'm telling you, this company, it would be a great company if, just being real with you today, man, focus on the donut, not the hole. You hear me? Just being real with you today. The truth is your job place isn't going to be perfect. If you're the owner, it's not going to be perfect, right? It is. And you know what I love? Here's what I love, right? Here, I can keep my promise, man. There you go. Good job, buddy. Yes, sir. Here, here's what I love. What I love is, is that God gave us this ability to find pleasure in what we do. You hear what I said? God worked six days. The Bible says God created everything. It was amazing. And on the seventh day, he rested. There's a secret there for our work. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But you know what I love? I love the scripture tells us that he worked for six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. But you know what he said? He looked over everything and he said, it is good. Right? So I used to own this lawn company that I started. And and part of the, for me, part of the joy of that was getting to take on um, uh, a, a yard or a landscaping opportunity that needed some love. It needed some TLC. It needed some help. Seeing a yard that, you know, you get a phone call. Yeah, I think my grass needs to be cut. You show up, you know, the grass is this tall, you know. Like, let me, uh, we, need, we need some help here, man. And, but then as I worked, as the sweat of my brow, and as I worked hard, man, when I left, I, 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 would, I would drive away, and I still would kind of just slowly, I'd turn around and I'd look, and I'd know inside that looks good. Man, I'm leaving it better than it was before I got there. You know, and, and for me, um, I've got the Echo equipment, you know, and you had the edger, and I was just, edgers are awesome, man. The weed eaters, do yourself a favor, get an edger, man. You, the, you, the edge, you edge that thing, and you can tilt it in, you can, why, oh, man, that thing is like, woo, right there, buddy. That's, that's the cherry on the top. When you, when you edge it, you make that yard just pop. Sorry, a little passionate there. That's how we ought to be about work. We ought to give our best. We ought to give our all to it. Whether you own the company or just got hired to the company, arrive like you're the owner. Have a mindset that I'm willing to do anything and everything or nothing. Have a mindset that, you know what? This is not the curse. This is the blessing. And I'm going to give my best today. And I'm going to leave it all out on the field. Are you with me? Right? I mean, come on. Doesn't it? I, I love watching sports, right? But doesn't it bother you sometimes when you're watching NBA or NFL, normally the professional sports, right? And, and it's like someone, someone's not giving 100%. You know what I'm talking about? It's like they're out there, you know, and they, they're on the court, and they're just, 
they're, they're not running, man. They're not sprinting. They're just whatever, kind of an attitude, you know. As I, you know, I may not, may, I'm going to be on the court, but I'm not going to give my best. Have you ever seen that? I've seen it happen. Or then you have March Madness. And it's college sports, and every game matters, man. It's win or go home. It matters, man. It matters down to the last second. Every second matters. So give your best. And they get out there. I love that. I love that passion. And I, I just want to encourage you, no matter what you do for a living, give your best. And arrive to work. Like, arrive to work to work. To give your best. You'll find freedom in that. And what will happen is this. What will happen is, you will not stay where you are very long. Because God blesses hard work. And God blesses smart work. God's blessing will be upon your life when you're doing everything you can. I mean, here's Joseph. Joseph's in the Bible, right? He's in there, and Joseph's in prison right now for something he didn't even do. People lied about him and said that, that he had done this stuff, and, and it was crazy, and he's, he's in there. If anyone had a right to have an attitude, it was Joseph. But Joseph, Joseph succeeded in the jailhouse when he could have had a mentality of the poorhouse. He could have been like, I don't deserve, I didn't touch that woman. That woman was a liar, those people are a liar. God, you turned your back on me. He, he could have done all that stuff. But you know what he did? He had a mind to work. Because he had a mind to work, it worked out for him, didn't it? Isn't that awesome? I love that. I want you to look at this scripture, Proverbs, <clears throat> Proverbs 21, 25. Lazy people finally die of hunger because they won't get up and go to work. They won't get up and go to work. It's not just enough to scan in, to check in, to, to be there, but to give everything you have. Proverbs 10, 4 through 5. Sloth makes you poor. Diligence. Now that word diligence, man, you want to write this down, okay? That word diligence means proper attention or care. Think with me just for a second. If you had a garden, maybe anyone here, I'm just curious. Anyone here have a garden? Anyone at all got a little... You growing something okay? Awesome, couple of you guys, and you know this to be the truth. Um, and by the way, the truth is we all have yards, right? And, and landscaping, and if you just let it go, it goes, doesn't it? If those flower beds, you're just like, yeah, I'm gonna throw some rocks down on it. Get some lava rocks, I'm gonna cover it up. I'm gonna throw some more lava rocks on it. It still grows, right? In fact, you put a pool in the backyard, right? You know, and uh, some, sometimes I've even seen grass grow through the strangest of things. Um, it, it just doesn't stop. And so you have to be diligent. You have to keep proper attention or proper care. If you don't take care of your lawn, the weeds grow. If you don't take care of your garden, they will not only grow, they will take over. And the same thing applies here. The scripture says, sloth makes you poor. Diligence brings wealth. Make hay while the sun shines. That's smart. Go fishing during harvest. That's stupid. In other words, today matters. Someone say, today matters. Today matters. Don't procrastinate. When we procrastinate, what happens is it strips our strength. When we procrastinate, it strips our strength. It's kind of like having all the windows open, you know. You got your laptop there, you got all this stuff opening. And, and man, boy, when you begin to close that, when you begin to actually shut down your computer and turn it off and give it a little bit of a rest, it doesn't act as slow, right? The same thing is true with us. So I want to challenge you. Do you have a Sabbath? Do you have time 
every week that you set apart to rest, to renew. Because the, the, the truth is this, when, when you live in that principle of rest, you're able to give your best. But when you're going, 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 constantly going, 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 you, you, you can't give your best because you have so many things out there, so many windows that are open, so many balls that you're juggling. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to say, you know what? I, I'm going I'm to say, God, I, I, I'm going to work. I'm going to work six days a week. But one day a week, I'm going to shut down. I'm going to turn it off. I mean, why, why, why do we live so stressed out most of our lives except for a week out of the year? Because normally, it's only the week out of the year that we turn our phone off. Are you with me? Y'all quiet today. Y'all right? Y'all still love me. Y'all still love me. Right? I, I mean, seriously, it, it's crazy to, to work. God wants you to work, but it's crazy to work so hard and to overwork and then to never rest. God wants you to work, but God wants you to to rest. God wants you to rest. It's a principle in the Bible. And I want to challenge you to do it. I want to challenge you to shut it down. I want to challenge you to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a, a day and, and I'm, I'm just going to rest. I, in other words, I'm going to do things intentionally that, that breathe life into me, that breathe energy into me. And, and I'm going to give it all in six days. And on that seventh day, man, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest, and I'm, I'm going to replenish. And, and basically, I'm going to say, God, I'm going to trust you to do what I can't in this area. I'm going to trust you to bless the, the six days. And I, I'm, I'm going to give you the one day. It doesn't mean that you have to stay in bed all day and just read your Bible and pray. It doesn't mean that. But it means that, that maybe you're turning off social media. Maybe, I mean, could you imagine going 24 hours without social media? That'd be crazy, right? just to shut it down and to rest. I think if we do that, I think what happens is we have more strength and more energy and more passion to run to work and to not just show up at work, but to work when we're there. I've got one more scripture I wanna read and then just a couple of points and we're done. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. I love this. One day I walked by the field of, a, of old lazy bones this is in the message. And then pass a vineyard, the loot. They were overgrown with weeds, thick with thistles. All the fences broken down. I took a long look and I pondered what I saw. The fields, the fields preached me a sermon and I listened. A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. You know what comes next. Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty as your permanent house guest. Poverty is the reward of laziness. Poverty is the reward of laziness. Work is not the curse. It's the blessing. It's the blessing. I'm going to give you a couple choices to make. Now, you can make this choice. You don't have to. It's up to you. But I want you to make the choice that, that you know what? Where you're at right now, you may not be at the job that you dream of being. It may not be the dream job. I got hired when I was in college. I got hired uh, on our Christmas break. 
It was at a huge, a huge warehouse in Nashville, downtown Nashville, and they hired me, and I thought, okay, man, this is awesome. I'm going to do my best. I was so pumped, and you know what they hired me to do? They gave me a broom. They said, sweep the warehouse. The warehouse was, I don't know, goodness, 20 times this room right here. They gave me a broom and said, go to work. They smiled at me, and I was a college student. Are you kidding me? Mom and dad taught me how to work. I took that broom, and I swept, and I swept, and I swept, and I swept. I was getting blisters, wooden broom. I swept, and I swept some more, swept some more, swept, swept, swept all day. And when I finished, they walked around, inspected it, came back, and they said, you passed the test. I said, you did an awesome job. You're a worker, and that's who we're looking for. And then they gave me my first promotion. Isn't that crazy? Because I worked. Now, what would have happened if I had gone 30 minutes and be like, I ain't doing this. This is not worth this 10 bucks an hour or 12 bucks an hour. In other words, we're talking about like entitlement, right? Like there's mindsets out there of entitlement. You know, mom and dad have this here. I'm going to start out with this. No, no, no. Mom and dad worked to get this. Don't go in debt because you think you have to have it now. Something called work that God designed to give us freedom to allow us to have pleasure in what we've worked hard for because work is not a curse. Y'all with me today? In other words, if you have a problem being a shepherd boy, God might have a problem with you being a king. If you're not willing to stoop to serve, if you're not willing to do whatever it takes to do anything, everything, or nothing, you don't belong to be there, God's probably not going to put you on the fast track of success. And you pray all you want. You need fast. Oh, Lord Jesus. He's like, Lord Jesus, myself. Get up and work. Get up and work. Like God's eye is on the sparrow. Not a sparrow, a little bird. Not a sparrow falls that God doesn't, doesn't miss it. He, his, his eye's on the sparrow. But God does not take food and throw it in the sparrow's nest. God's eye is on you. He loves you. He'll protect and provide for you. But he'll do it when we roll up our sleeves and go to work. I'm having fun. I hope you're having fun. This is good. That's my you're done now music. Well, that's all right because I'm not finished yet. I'm just being real with you. Just being real. No. Actually, just this. Man, bring the weather. Is that you, Jeremy? That's Jeremy. I love Jeremy. Thank you for playing those keys, man. I love that. Makes me want to preach another hour. Bring, bring, bring the weather. Your attitude is only controlled by you. Your attitude is only controlled by you. It is set and controlled by you. Bring the weather to work, man. What if you got fired tomorrow? All kinds of statistics, I'll leave them out, but a lot of people worried that they would not be able to find a job of the same quality and the same pay and the same benefits if they lost the one they had. What would happen if we appreciated the one we had? What would happen if tomorrow there's a brand new you walking or running into work and you get to work and they're like, Man, what did you have? What energy drink? Tell me, because I need some of it. And you said, no, no, no. I just had an attitude adjustment. I just decided to run to work. 
instead of running from work. I decided to be my best. My uncle taught me, Tim, when you work, it's your signature. What you do matters. Whatever you do, how you do it is your signature. So make it a masterpiece. I remember putting down wood floors with Uncle Chuck. I remember being in uh, sixth grade and working hard in this big old hammer, way more than I did. I remember trying to, you know, put these beautiful, beautiful wood floors in. And I remember it was hard work, man. I remember when it was time to go to lunch, I was like, thank you, Lord. I don't think I was going to make it. Right? Like, I remember working on a roof and, and being handed a shovel and say, okay, we're going to take all the shingles off. Bend over with a shovel and and seriously, 15 minutes in, the back was burning like there was, oh, it was hurting like crazy. And we had just started. It was hard work. Work's not the curse. Something about working hard and looking back on it and saying, it's good. It's good. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for you. You know what? I'm going I'm to I'm say this and I'm through. The greatest testimony Take the word story. The greatest opportunity you have to witness to others might even be the way you present yourself at work. Like why they need Jesus if you're old lazy bones? Because Jesus evidently didn't do enough for you. If you're at work and you struggle with an attitude, why they need Jesus? I got a boat. I don't need Jesus. See how it's easy to think that? But what if, dream, 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 dream with me just for a minute. What if, what if all of a sudden today, man, it was like we all went to the chiropractor. We all got adjusted. What if all of a sudden there were some attitude adjustments all over this room that made us not only thankful for the job we had, but created, erupted all of a sudden and, and infected other people around us this passion because we're thinking straight. Because we realize that, that you know what? We realize the need to energize. And so we take a Sabbath. We turn it off. We shut it down. But we also realize that work isn't the curse. It's a blessing. And we realize that when Jesus said, go the extra mile, there was something to that. They would have it mapped out this many feet. If a Roman soldier stopped you and said, here, carry this cross or here, carry my stuff. I'm tired. You had to go one mile. They knew how many steps it was. And then Jesus came and he raised the bar and Jesus said, oh, don't go one mile. Go two. Go the extra mile. Do that in your work. Go the extra mile. When everyone else, like get there early, get there early, give it all you got. Go the extra mile. Think like you're an owner. Think like it's your company. And do what's best for the organization, not what, what, what's easiest. Give it your best. You know what happened? We'll change the community from the inside out. Because our greatest opportunity to be salt and light in the world is our work ethic. Because words are cheap. Anyone say the stuff. And our actions speak louder than our words. You want them to know you love God? Let them see it by your work ethic. Let them see you run to work every day. And by the way, our kids are watching us, right? When we come home, we're teaching them what to think about work. When we come home, man, I got to go to work today. Daddy got to work hard today, man. It was good. Let me tell you about it. You with me? 
That's my heart for you today. And most importantly, way more than my heart, because that's nowhere, nothing, is God's heart for you to find freedom in your work instead of seeing it as a curse. Focus on the donut, not the whole.